0: Thank you. It's so good to be with you, and uh, thank you for coming. It never fails to really uh, fill me with joy, see the interest that you have uh, even in a country far away and people who are different than you are. And uh, I thank God for that. Um, I want to go to go with Robert through through the PowerPoint slides, and uh, I want to show you many slides this morning, just to try to bring the situation back home closer to you. Uh, at the same time, I'm feel that the situation back home very, very much allies with what Isaiah has written in chapter 60. Uh, Pastor Mark, can we read the first three verses of chapter, please, uh, 60 of Isaiah? 60? 60. And if you know them by heart, just go ahead.
1: Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Yeah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Amen.
0: Amen. It's a great promise for the church. It's a great promise and we take it to heart. We know that our country is in a very dark situation and it just happened that I found this slide about Syria, the same map of Syria, but it's the first one. Yeah. It's very dark. And this is a real image from a satellite. And the researcher says that 83% of the lights in the country went off through the crisis. And in some cities, even it's worse. Like the city of Aleppo, 97% of the lights went off. This is a very objective image of a satellite. But it really shows not just physically it's dark, but spiritually it's very dark. It's very evil. Destruction is everywhere. When I first time visited the the city of Homs, after the, after it was regained by government forces, it was a shocking experience. All around us, buildings are just brought down to the floor. And just imagine that people were living in those buildings. August 15, I will never forget this experience. My wife, Rana, and I were at home. And uh, we just finished a service in uh, a suburb of Damascus. Came back. And a bomb fell on the roof of our apartment, right on the roof with a very loud explosion. And very scary, just shook the building. Thankfully, the bomb did not go through the roof, just stuck in the roof. And exploded on the roof and destroyed everything on top of that roof including a diesel, big diesel container. And I saw the diesel dripping down and I was really concerned. I thought fire could catch fire any minute now. But thank God, that same time, a huge tank of water was on the roof and they mixed together and the Lord just saved us. My wife uh, was terrified, but just for 15 minutes or half an hour, and then we just thanked the Lord that he saved us, protected us, and life went back to normal in ministry as if nothing happened. We know that darkness is covering the earth all around us. It's very dark. People who grew up together, they are fighting each other. People who were neighbors, going to the same schools, they are full of hatred and each one brags of how many people he killed or how many places he destroyed. It's very, very dark. The communities are really splitting. It's very dark, destruction, families and children in particular, I mentioned the story of uh, the little girl in the school. Just in a normal day, this eight years old, it was uh, Passion Week, and on Palm Sunday, she was singing singing with the kids in in the church. And on Tuesday, a bomb fell on her school, and she lost both feet. It's very painful and very dark. It's very painful to see a man at night holding the hand of his kid and carrying another one. And his wife is following up with a plastic bag. And they are going and they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they will spend the night and what is their next day is really saving for them. It's very painful. Rafi, he is a graduate, I have his picture. Since 2012, he is missing. He is a computer science graduate, very bright young man, very active in the church. He was drafted for the military service, and since 2012, he is missing. His parents are hoping against hope that he's still alive, but they never heard of him since then. It's very painful what's going on in the country. 2 months ago, ISIS took over a cement factory an hour drive of Damascus. And they killed the 200 workers in that cement factory. Engineers, technicians, for no wrongdoing, for nothing, just because they don't belong to the same doctrine or the same sect. They kill them, and many of them are close to the church members, relatives, or friends. And in one week, we heard so-and-so, so-and-so. It's so painful. One of the families that the church is supporting, they are displaced, they came to Damascus because it's a little bit better than other areas, just to find a safe haven there. Their only son, Tony, he is a student, engineering student, he finished his last exam He gave in, just handed in his project, went out of his classroom, and he was killed right there with a bomb. I go to stand by the family, try to comfort them. I have no words, nothing. I share the word of God sometimes, and sometimes I feel that I'm being so, so much of a preacher or a teacher, but this is not going through. But the, the amazingly encouraging thing that I hear the comforting words from their own mouth. Just by the Holy Spirit, they are reminded by God's promises and they look to life in the eternal perspective. It's very dark. Many times we feel like a dark cloud, just heavy cloud over our hearts. Emotionally, it's very challenging. I can say that every day I sit with people who suffer from depression and uh, from trauma. Every day, expressed in different ways. It's very dark. Darkness really is covering the earth, and thick darkness my own country and my own people. But the second verse brings really a great promise and great hope. Darkness is covering the earth, Thick darkness the nations. But on you, the church of the living God, there is a different perspective. On you, the Lord shines and his glory dwells on you. How the church would respond to this darkness and this pain how the church would take it, how the church would help in this situation. We remember that the church will never be defeated because Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he is the real rock. That the church is built on. It's not the church will be defeated. But the church will go through the gates of Hades. And will snatch people out of fire. What the church would do. I'll show you this from the walls of Damascus, of old Damascus. This is the place where supposedly Saul was lowered down out of Damascus. Very vividly, we remember that Christians have deep roots in the country We are not about to pack up and leave. Many embassies just pulled out their representatives and many countries closed their embassies in the country. And of course, that is very harmful to the country. But we as the Church of the Living God... We are the ambassadors of heaven, and we will not pull out of the country. We will stay there as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We see people with their dark message of death and killing and revenge. They come from all over the world. To kill in my country. And we tell ourselves how much more we who hold the message of hope, forgiveness, love, light, should be willing to stay, to bring the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to our own people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Do you believe? The first few verses in the book of Genesis the earth was void, formless, and darkness covering all the waters. But the Spirit of God was hovering there over that darkness. And our great God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's very dark back home. But we trust the power and the grace of our God Our sovereign Lord, Paul says, the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he also shined in our hearts to know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can the church bring the light back to the country? By God's grace, yes, by God's grace and by the knees that are praying for the country all over the world, we trust, yes, we can bring the light back to our people and to our country. You can be part of this battle even while you are right here, away from the country, but close to the throne of God. You can unite with us in your prayers and help the church back home to bring the light to our country. A lady, Amelias, I have this short, Just seconds of a video or just the slide. Her husband, his cousin, and his nephew. Three of them. When Jabhat al-Nusra came into a Christian village, they took them and they asked them to deny Jesus. One after the other. Asked the first one, he said, no, they shot him dead. The second one saw what happened to the first one. They asked him, and he said, no, and they shot him dead. And the third one, she lost three of her family, and her son is still missing till this minute with them. But those people, not the people who are, under the light spots, the famous names, the simple Christians, young people, standing for the Lord and never deny the Lord Jesus Christ and willing to pay the ultimate price for their faith. The other lady, Um, George,
1: George's mother.
0: George told his mother. Mother, I am willing to die for Christ. Because Jesus said, whoever denies me, I will deny him before my father. You shouldn't cry if they killed me. We are just visitors here. I'll just be in glory ahead of you. 18 years old young man. 18 years old. This faithfulness to the Lord, he paid the ultimate price. And his mother was crying and saying, he taught me many lessons in my faith. I never, I never expected my 18 years old to be that brave and that faithful to his calling and to his Lord. Yes. I showed the small uh, short clip also for Dr. Abdul Masih. This doctor in the northeast of the country Very sweet Christian. And he has an amazing reputation. He's a doctor staying in a small village, opening his his, uh, home for Bible study, helping people around him, and trying just to be a blessing for everybody. When we visit there, we go to his home, Bible study. Uh, The neighbors, I mean, they they love him because he, he is just reflecting the light of Christ in that small community. He is serving nine other villages around him. And he decided to stay there just to serve his people. And when ISIS came over and abducted him with 200 other people, 250 other people, on April last year and in August last year, they killed
1: him then the next one yeah ana nasrani la ashur biro restam abrah min Belda taltama min qaryat al jazira ana nasrani bassam aissa mishayeh mawlid 77 min qaryat tal shamaran tiltamar ana nasrani la shuri abd al masih azariawya mawlid 979 min qaryat al jazira nahiyat tiltamar
0: It seems like the age of martyrdom is back and just simple, ordinary Christians are willing to stand for Christ until death. The Lord will shine upon you and his glory will dwell on you day before yesterday, I got a message from Aleppo, our pastor in Aleppo. He said, we were in the meeting. It was Friday. We were in the the meeting in the church, and a bomb fell in the backyard of the church. But thank God, nobody was hurt. People were praying inside. That pastor with his wife and his two little kids is staying in Aleppo, I mean, in the midst of all the hell that is going on in Aleppo. But he is there holding the light of Jesus Christ, serving the community, serving the people. And he and his wife, even now, he cannot convince his wife to leave the country just for the summer, to leave Aleppo just for the summer, and just to move to a safer place. They want to stay there with their own people and being light for all the community. Another pastor, Sammy and and Mary Rose, I I think we have their, yeah. Sammy is a medical doctor and his wife, they serve in homes and all through the crisis. They were so faithful in serving Literally, under bullets flying over their heads, they go from home to home to encourage people and just to stand with them. Sammy has his uh, weekly uh, itinerary, and he he sticks to his weekly program no matter what. I told him, please, Pastor Sammy, come over to Damascus. It's better now. We have a place for you. One, after, one time after the other, and finally, he got fed up with me. And he said, uh, don't worry about me. I live in a very strong tent. <laughs> and he was true. It was real. It's a very strong tent. And the Lord is using him in, uh, in Homs. And just two months ago, he started a new church in a village close to Homs. And the Lord is really blessing his ministry. Our prayer is like the prayers of the apostle in the the book of Acts Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Enable us to stay faithful to your word, stay faithful to your name. This is our responsibility. We know that what's going on on the political front and the military front is not of our business. We cannot impact that. But we know one thing our responsibility is to stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in every day, in every witness, in every encounter, and every reaction in our hearts. We thank God. The third. Phase, the first phase is darkness covering the earth. Second is the, light, the Lord shines upon you. And third, nations will come to you and kings to the dawn of your light. And we thank God. Just wonderful, encouraging experience. See the Lord saving people. Even in the midst of this darkness, we can see the church is being filled with new people. And my wife, when she comes down after a lot of uh, bombing and gunfire, she says, nobody will come to church today. We go to church and the church is full of people. When we had the bomb over our roof, we thought... It was a Friday. We thought, Sunday, nobody will come. And the church was full like never before. People came, and they feel safe just under the protection of the Lord. She looks into the people in the church, and she doesn't know most of them. And she feels emotionally very bad because all our friends and many of our fellow servants and people who serve together, they left the country. But when I see the new, pe- new people coming, I tell her, thank God that the Lord is saving people and bringing new people to know the Lord. Many of them, they say this thing, we lost everything, but thank God, we won our eternal life and we won Jesus Christ. I love to tell the story of this young man, he is uh, third year in college. He came to know the Lord, he's from non-Christian background, and he just fell in love with the Lord and the word of God. And this guy decided to get baptized. And usually when we baptize those people, we don't do it publicly, we do it in much more private uh, setting. So we, it was a Sunday, and he's supposed to be baptized on that Sunday. And uh, the morning of Sunday, the baptism is in the afternoon. His dad calls me at the office. And he tells me, you should see what my son is doing Go see his Facebook page. I went to his Facebook page, and uh, this kid just posted on his Facebook. Today, I have a very important announcement for everybody who knows me. Today will be my baptism. Because I believe in Jesus Christ, my living Lord and Savior. And if you ask me why, because I've never seen in any other religion a God that came to my rescue when I tried to commit suicide three times. But Jesus Christ, the living Lord and Savior, came and saved me. Also, Jesus gave me this amazing relationship with God, a father-son relationship. I know that many people will hate me, and I might lose my, even my own family. Many people will spit on my face, and some want to kill me. But I want you to know, Even if you do that, I still love you because Christ taught me so. I am willing to lose everything, but I'm not willing to lose my living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can take this promise to the Church of Philadelphia very personal to us back home. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, this is what we feel exactly, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is our responsibility. Keep his word, not deny his name. Little strength, but when the Lord opens, nobody can shut. And this is our experience back home. The Lord is opening doors we never thought could be open before. This is the new church in Feiruzi. No, not this one. It's a, this is our church. But then... Ah. New church in Feirouzi. We see nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Can we put the maps on? I made a little comparison. I had the map of Syria with the churches we have and I marked all the churches that were closed before, because of the crisis. And the churches that were closed before the crisis, four small, mostly abandoned churches in small villages were closed down because they are under the uh, Islamist opposition. But the amazing thing Six new centers were opened through the crisis. And it's amazing to see that the church is even spreading larger and the new grounds are opening before the church, even under those circumstances. We praise God that he is answering prayers. And people who are praying here, Pastor Mark told me that the church is praying, and they are praying for Syria and for the church back home. I want you to know that the Lord is answering those prayers and really is giving us those new open doors for ministry. We are helping thousands of families across the country in relief work. If you can follow up with me with the slides, just, uh, I think it'll be, yeah, this is the relief work. New door was open in the northeast when Daesh took Mosul and the other areas there. You heard of Yazidis who fled their areas. Some of the Yazidis, 5,000 people, came crossed over to Syria. And the church there in that part of Syria is serving those Yazidis right there. The first time, I think, in Syria, the Ministry of Social Affairs asked the church to help in rehab the juvenile uh, detaining center, girls in the detaining center. And we have volunteers from the church, they go four days, four hours every day, to help those girls and make a great difference in their lives and in the lives of the instructors in that center as well. New doors are opening. Nursing home. Elderly people who love to see somebody come and care for them. We have a group of our young people who saw the need and they decided to go. They go visit those nursing homes They sit with those people, share the word of God with them. They take their guitars, and they go sing with them, dance with them sometimes, play with them, just try to make them feel that they are cared for. There there is somebody who really cares for them. They visited the cancer hospital in Damascus, also brought the message of hope to them through the word of God. We visited the school of physical disability, people, children who are physically disabled. And we spent three hours there with those children, just telling them stories, reassuring them of the love of God, their value in the sight of God, all without mentioning, without evangelizing them, because this is a public setting and it's not allowed to evangelize. But just we have some songs that they talk about God in general, and we share the story of the, the prodigal son and how the God is a father and he cares, because many of them are very much marginalized and, you know looked at as, uh, as uh, people who are not respected enough. Two, three hours with those people, orphanages. I, w- I would like to play this short uh, video if possible, yeah. The next one, maybe? Yeah, this one. This is Orphanage. It's amazing how those young people are so happy and content to see those. People who are orphans left, have no parents, and left in those centers just rejoicing in the Lord. They pray, and they sing, and they dance, and it's, it's really amazing. We focus on children's, children's activities because we feel that children are the most traumatized at this war, They live in, I mean, their parents are under stress and they don't have any real security in their homes. And they go to school, they don't know whether they will be able to come back and see their parents again. It's a very traumatizing situation. We focus on children and we try to help them. And thank God that uh, opportunities are open. We bring them in. We um, give them opportunity to draw, express their emotions, and uh, people try to take care of them. And uh, just uh, they, uh, they really see in this opportunity like a healing time for, for their, for their uh, trauma. And parents love it. They come to church. They appreciate what we're doing. And really, they are experiencing real difference in their life. On Christmas, the church choir decided to go to a public place in the old city called the Gate of Thomas. It was Christmas, it was raining, and people are scared because bombs can, can fall there any time, but we decided to go there and sing some Christmas songs there just to give the community hope and joy and see something different in the country. If you, yeah, this is the gate, the gate of Thomas, and I want you to listen to this. <speaking in Hebrew> Can we bring the light back to our people by God's grace, trusting his sovereignty and his goodness? Yes, we can. Thank you very much. God bless you.
1: Let's thank Pastor Awabdi again. Here, you guys. Thank you. <clears throat> thank, you. thank you. Thank you. You can have a seat. Well, the great thing is we can right now bring the light, and I love that. Thank
0: you very much. You know, I, done most likely
1: uh, none of us have ever prayed specifically for Syria. There's power in prayer. Amen. So what I want us to do right now is this, you know, especially you're a young person here. I'm thinking of junior high, high schoolers. You know, there's someone just like you, your age, whether you're 80 or whether you're 18, there's someone your age in Syria right now that is facing unbelievable challenges. Every culture faces their own challenge in living for Jesus. And maybe for you, you're just even needing to ask yourself, are you really living for Jesus? Would you be willing If someone said, with a gun to you, you know, deny Jesus, yes or no, and can you imagine that? There's one year, this is terrible to even admit this, but years ago when I was a youth pastor, I would never do this now because I'd get fired if I even tried to do this now. But I was preaching on persecution. I thought, how better to illustrate what takes place around our world, which we're so Not aware of, but every five minutes, someone, a Christian, is martyred for their faith in the world. Every five minutes. It's 160,000 of your brothers and sisters have their head cut off or take a bullet every year. So, as we're going to think about praying for people our age in Syria, they're facing some unbelievable challenges, and yet at the same time, the light is shining. And people are coming to Jesus. But you say, what did you do, Mark? Well, I was preaching on persecution. I had my brother, who was a teenager back then, right as I began preaching, bust down through the back door with a mask on and a shotgun. And just say, I hate Christians. Who is a Christian here? And we had little girls, I mean, crying, weeping. And I'm like, whoa, this got a little bit too real. <laughs> and I had to admit, no, no, this is just an illustration. And yet the pressure, the feeling of that moment, can you imagine? There are, there are your age Christians in this nation that are facing this real issue right now. Wow. I mean, is Jesus really real for you? Young person, are you taking a stand on your campus for Christ? Us as adults, where we're at right now, are we living for Jesus, being the light? Or are we afraid that we're going to have some sort of, you know, I don't know what it is we fear? That's something to search our hearts about. But I want us to take a moment just in quietness. And I want you to pray for someone. How old are you? You're 10 years old. There's a 10-year-old little girl in Syria right now. You pray for her however old you are, just say, Lord, there's someone just like me right now in this country who's a Christian living for you. And you just pray a blessing on them, that they could be light, that they could have courage. You do that right now. Let's just take a moment of silence. Lord, it's special that we could extend the light in Syria through our brothers and sisters. And these are truly our brothers and sisters that one day we'll meet in eternity and we'll spend eternity with. We don't know their name, but you know their name. And we've just prayed and there's power in prayer. And we pray that somehow you would bring a blessing, a word of encouragement, uh, courage to their hearts right now, wherever they're at. Lord, we just pray for this country. We pray for Pastor Edward, that you would protect him, Lord, and his wife, and their three grown children. Bless them as they go back to serve in this area of the world. Thank you for their willingness to represent you there. Thank you that you brought us together, Lord. I don't know all that you have done in our hearts as we've heard this. I I wish we had time to just talk and questions and answers and I wonder what it has been that has most impacted us. Maybe we could share that with someone today. Talk about that. Because, Lord, you use moments like this to sanctify us, to challenge us, to grow us in our faith. And I pray especially, just my heart goes out. I just love the fact that we've got students here today. And, Lord, I pray your plan over their lives to be realized. Lord, I pray for adults here the same. Lord, that we would be light where we're at that we would be inspired by the testimonies of these that we've heard about. And, Lord, we live like crazy for you because you're our Savior and Lord who, have, who is alive and risen. You're the head of the church. You're building us, and you're doing this all around the world. And we thank you, God. All God's people said.